Hey, what's up, you guys? And thank you for joining me for another episode of The Words That Spoke to My Soul. And this is a very special Black History Month edition. I know we're in March, but that's okay. This was recorded on February 27th. I had the wonderful pleasure of interviewing Frank Zaquan Jordan. And I'm telling you, you're going to absolutely love his work. So kick back, relax, and enjoy the interview. Welcome. How are you today? Fine. I'm great. Thank you. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Well, I would like to thank you for joining us today. And let's get Thanks right to it. Me. Oh, it's such a pleasure. Thank you so much. And um, just tell the audience your name, where you're from, and what name you, what author name you write under. Uh, yes. Uh, my name is uh, Frank Zakwan uh, Jordan. That's my author's name. Uh, born and raised in Brooklyn, born and raised in Brooklyn. Um, I have actually published seven Black history books, two of which are actually bestsellers. I am so happy to hear that because, of course, this is a very special Black History Month edition uh, featuring the unknown, and I am certainly honored to have you on my platform today. So can you tell us, Frank, when you began um, writing and why? Um, Right. I've always been a history nerd. I mean, for a very long time. Uh, that's been one of my greatest joys in life. Um, but the more that you study, um, you know, the more that you find out that how history was actually manipulated, especially Black history. Um, you know, we have such a dynamic and such a genius Black history that goes far beyond uh, just coming over here from boats from Southwest Africa to America. Um, our history spans far beyond that. Absolutely. 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 And I think it's imperative that um, we know our true history, not just what they want us to know. Um, now, when did you first consider yourself an actual writer? Um, wow, that, oh my goodness. I would probably say about 30 years ago, actually. Okay. Um, yeah, actually about 30 years ago, I used to actually write letters for people um long time ago i know people used to ask me to write uh because i had i always had a neat handwriting that's funny that's funny you ask that that's the very first time someone has ever asked me that and really? i had to go into like a detail yeah um <laughs> people people always said i had a neat handwriting it's almost like a calligraphy style handwriting okay. and a lot of guys used to get me to write love letters to their girlfriends all the time <laughs> and right Right, they said because you had a neat handwriting. Yeah. So, you know, in, in, in lieu to that, um, you know, the black history came about, the studying about world history, Roman history came about in 1989. And that's when I jumped on being, um, you know, historically actually activated um, in my search in history. Wonderful. I like that because it actually reminds me of my husband. He may not have, he de definitely doesn't have a nice uh, looking handwriting, but he is a good writer. And often he has, or, um, you know, may put the words together for his friends that they may not have, you know, been able to um, say it in a, you know, nice, eloquent way uh, for whoever they're interested right. in. So that's kind of funny. <laughs> Wow. Right. <laughs> now, um, right. So he's, so he's, so he's very, so, so he's very, um, he, he's very, what you would say, probably, um, you know, has very good vernacular and very good grammar and academically just gifted with his words. He, he has, he definitely has a way with words for sure. He's, he, he's been writing himself for so, for so long. It's funny because one, you, you know, Monica, the artist, correct? Yes. Okay, so when he was younger, he just absolutely loved her. So he sent her like a love letter as like an 11, 12 year old boy. <laughs> 
And although she didn't respond, it was like, you know, that was something that he was into. Even younger, he, um, I forget what song it was, but he wrote it out for a girl in elementary school that he was interested in and liked. And of course his parents wasn't too happy with it because it wasn't an appropriate song, but hey. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it happens sometimes. Now, um, are you an independent author or um, are you with a publishing house? Well, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of uh, actually both. The, an the answer is A and B. Okay. Um, but actually for the last, uh, I would probably say maybe four books, I actually, you know, uh, learned how to write and how to publish on my own. Okay. Uh, how to save money, how yeah. to put and insert my own pictures. Um, yeah. And how to actually, you know, reach out to people um, that actually can, you know, help and, you know, cover wise and edification and editing as well, too. Absolutely. And in, in your experience, because you're probably the second or third author I've met that's kind of a hybrid author, which do you prefer? Um, actually, I prefer to do it myself, mm -hmm. to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. uh, that reason being is that you're not limited, not only financial wise. Um, it saves you a lot of money. It saves you literally thousands of dollars. Um, but also you're not limited to what you can do and what you can actually bring about because that's one of the biggest things that, um, that's one of the biggest problems uh, that we have in America amongst blacks. You know, we're limited and they always want to marginalize us. What to say, how we should dress, how we should think, how we should wear our hair, what colors to put on, what to teach your kids, what to eat, what to do, get a shot. Um, if you don't get it, you're going to jail, run the red light, going to jail. So as an author, you want to have a range and you want to bring out the truth for one, you know, because that's the whole scope. And that's the whole reason of being a writer. You have free range, okay, to write what you want to write. Now, publishing companies, I'm sure, you know, like I've dealt with one publishing company, I'm sure, which, you know, they have, you know, guidelines and they have policies that they have to go by. And that's fine. That, that's all fine. But I'm not going to want to insert a picture in my book that's going to wake up someone and you tell me that I can't. That's just not going to happen. Right. Absolutely. And, and that usually is the consensus that being able to control your own work and to ensure that what you're trying to get across is what's communicated is not watered down or anything because um, history has shown that they choose to water down some of the topics that we wanna discuss. And um, it's important to be able to do that without censorship. Now, um, what is the name of the book that you're currently promoting? Uh, the name of the book that I'm currently promoting actually is two, it's called uh... We Were Once a Family, The Disappearance of Black Soul and Culture. And the one that I just finished in November is called Old Say Can You See? Mm -hmm. uh, the Unmentioned History of Terrorism on Blacks in America. Um, and the reason why uh, I picked uh, We Once Were a Family, um, it, it's just so much history about our people that goes even far beyond Martin Luther King, you know, marching down on Washington. And, and, you know, Brother Martin, you know, at the time and the point that he was appointed to do that, you know, he did what he could, of course. Mm -hmm. But at the same time also, you know, it's just so much, you know, when you go back and look at the, the great inventions that Blacks have done, even up till today, it, it's outstanding. You know, it's more than just a light bulb. It's more than just a refrigerator. You know, uh, Gladys Mae West is a Black woman that nobody knows about. She invented the GPS system. Nobody knows about this. She's a neurologist scientist, and I think she lives in either Atlanta, Georgia, or Florida, and she's a Black woman that invented the GPS system. She coordinated the points and all the measurements of the Earth, and it is now known as a GPS system. And the lady is still living. She's a Black lady. I think she may be about maybe 91, 92 years old, wow. and no one knows about this. No one. And it's, it's important that we learn these stories because if we don't do our own research, if we don't uh, put the effort to learn our true history, then who will? You know, it's up to us to want that to happen, especially with our children, because I have two very small children and we also have a 14 year old that, you know, when you 
especially with our 14 year old going to school and she's like, I don't want to learn about these people. I don't care. But once you, you know, show them that it's more than just the whitewashed history that we read about in school, it's far more than that. Right. That's when um, we have authors like yourself that we can turn to for that very reason. Right. Absolutely. And, and, and listen, I appreciate you more than you know for having me on your show. Um, it, pretty much everyone, look, I wrote a book called 500 Years of Deception of American Deception. Pretty much uh, during the time of the 1400s, I'm going to just throw that out there, during the time of the Renaissance period, um, you had artists like Michelangelo, Leonardo da Vinci, um, and Rembrandt. These guys, over a period of time, during the 1400s, they were paid a commission by certain popes during that time to actually whitewash all the black history that was prior to the 1400s. That's what the Renaissance, that's what the word Renaissance means. It means to redo or to renew. When you go back in history, when you look at stuff like this, um, you notice that all the statues of the Italians or, or everything that was redone is brand new. I mean, they have no noses chipped off. None of the uh, fragments of the paintings uh, is scraped off. Because what they were doing, they was actually hiding our history, okay, back then in the 1400s, and they was whitewashing all the images. Like today, okay, this is a picture of uh, Socrates. Socrates was a black man. He was a black man that was living in Greece. A lot of people don't realize that. Socrates is one of the greatest mathematicians and philosophers uh, or, that ever lived. A lot of people don't know that. Also, Aristotle. Aristotle was a student under Socrates. Mm -hmm. Lots of people don't know that. William Shakespeare was a black man. William Shakespeare, the play, let me, let me hit you with this too. The play Romeo and Juliet was just written about a young black couple that was in love. That's what it was all about. Okay, but when you look up on Google and when you go look at history, it is portrayed, and when you go to the theaters, it's portrayed as European people. Now, the reason why, and I know I'm talking a lot of this history gets, the most of this history gets uh, watered down and whitewashed is so that we won't have any kind of self-esteem. The best, the best way to control a people is to dumb them down as if they were nothing. Yeah. And quite frankly, to be honest with you, we as Blacks, we have to come out of that mindset. We have to stop dumbing down our genius just to make others feel good, just to, so we can be accepted, okay, into society. We're the geniuses of this earth, okay? And history proves it. Shakespeare, William Shakespeare was a black man. I'm going to show you this picture, okay, of William Shakespeare that I actually had imported from. There's no question about it. This is a black man. Here's another picture of William Shakespeare. This is stuff that they won't show you in school. William Shakespeare was one of the greatest playwrights on this planet, right? And for the most part, for the most part, I know I'm talking a lot, for the most part, um, the reason why they really don't show you this kind of history is because why? Because financially, financially speaking, it put it give it gives the it gets us off of the debit credit system. If we knew that, look, in Detroit, where you're at right now, right. they once had a all black community, which I know you know, called Black Bottom and That's called Paradise Valley, mm -hmm. where they had over right, where they had over five hospitals. They had you know, uh, schools, black schools, hospitals, airports, libraries, uh, supermarkets, and these are and this and these are all communities that were erected and constructed and owned by blacks. So yeah. of course they're not going to tell you who you are, what you can do, the genius that you have, because now you're not dependent on them. Now you're not you don't belong to a credit debit system anymore. You're solely dependent on the government now. Exactly. Exactly. And, and that leads to the question of what was your inspiration to even come up with these? I, I, we definitely can hear the passion in your voice when you speak on this, but what took for you to say, you know what, I need to do this. This has to be delivered to the world. Going to libraries as a kid, growing up in Brooklyn, going to libraries as a kid, um, there was no history, like you said, about your daughter. That's the reason why so many black kids fail history in school because there's nothing being taught about us. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, George Washington, he had slaves. Thomas Jefferson had slaves. Yeah. So, you know, why we, why, you gotta ask yourself this, you know, of course it's meant for me to fail, you know, something that doesn't have anything to do with me. Mm -hmm. So, you know, of course, if your kids go to school, they're learning about 
George Washington and learning about Benjamin Franklin, that's all fine for European history because those are their forefathers and those are their four, you know, that's fine. Okay, but our kids need to know more about the great people that we came from. That gene pool of people that invented the light bulb, the carrot stroller, the refrigerator, people that taught Columbus how to crop and grow crops. Yeah. These are the people that our people need to know more of. Instead of you have a, first of all, listen, how do you, how do you have a European teacher named Miss, Miss, Miss Finkelbaum teach a bunch of black kids about black history? That doesn't, that's not going to set very well, right. you know, with the, with the children in the school, number one. So we have to learn from each other. We have to get back to teaching our own kids ourselves. So nobody, nobody knows our kids better than we know us better than we know them. Exactly. And on, on top of that, in regards to who teaches the history, those who do choose to teach the history that aren't of my complexion, they only teach that we were slaves and we were far more right. than slaves. Our history didn't just begin with slavery. And that's what's important to go even further back beyond slavery because that helps show how powerful we are as a people. That's right, that's right, that's right. You nailed it, you hit it on the nail. Listen, let me say this. Uh, blacks ruled Russia at one time. You had knights, you had knights, and you had kings that was living in Rome, Charlemagne. Um, you know, you had guys, you know, like Charlemagne. These are all black knights. The word knight comes from black people. Okay, King Arthur and and, and the knights of the Round Table. They were black. Robin Hood. Okay, and the guys of Sheriff of Nottingham and uh, those guys. They were black men. So anybody that's great. And and let me say this too. European history besides guys like Alexander the Greek, Caligula, um, Napoleon Bonaparte, prior to that, around the maybe 3 BC, European history is very dull, um, you know, and it's very caucus, okay, which means, you know, they come from the Caucasus Mountain. So if you got a dull history where you was just relegated to the, to the mountains and that was your history, of course you're going to come out and you're gonna pretend like you're the greatest people on this earth. What do you think Hollywood is? What do you think Hollywood is all about? Why Hollywood was made by a, a German back in 1934? Because Hollywood allows European people in the beginning to pretend to be anything and everybody and pretend to be people that they're not. And they still do that to the day. That's why Hollywood was erected. It's a fictitious place that's erected. So when they create uh, what they call television and it creates screen time, of course, Elizabeth Taylor can go in there and say she's Cleopatra when everybody knows that Cleopatra was a black woman. Of course, they can go in there and say that they were the Cowboys when they know the Cowboys were black people. Of course, they can put on there and say Columbus came over and just shook hands with the Indians and they had a, a, a turkey supper and everything was all good. Right. It's for them to pretend and hide their history. Absolutely. It's, it's a method to remain in denial. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and you want and you want to know something also. The most black I've, I've actually lectured at universities, Howard, Hampton, uh, Duke University as well, too, um, Ohio State. And it's funny because it seems like when I bring out this great history about our people, it seems it's more or less like the majority of the black people that's there they get more offended at me because I'm showing the greatness of our people. It's almost as if they're scared to admit how great we are in front of Europeans. It's almost like a slave mentality, almost like, you know, like, mm -mm, you better not say that. Massa looking around. You better not say that. And it's, and it's a shame. It's a shame. And contrary to belief, I have more European professors that agree with me and acknowledge that, hey, listen, what you're saying is the absolute truth. And it's, it's funny, and, and that just shows how far and how deep systemic racism goes. Right. That when, even when you're faced with the facts, with undeniable evidence, that you still like, okay, but we, I mean, I know, but we can't, okay? Like, no. 
and it's unfortunate, but when we have more voices like yourself, more voices like mine, that I have a reading list dedicated to telling our story from our perspective, from our voice, because that's right. Important. And the more we do this, the more we'll change the narrative, the more we'll get people to understand it's okay to be who you are. And if we that's are right. great, that is who we will be. That's right. That, that's right. Why hide it? I don't understand. You can have you, you can have a professor that can teach you Darwin's theory. You can have a professor that can teach you, you know, uh, uh, Albert, the, the greatness of Albert Einstein. Our people there sit all day long with their hands folded, don't ask no questions, and they just deem these people as geniuses and they don't ask any questions. As soon as you show proof and show that, hey, listen, we invented the fork, we invented the shoe, we invented the refrigerator, we invented the baby carriage, we invented, hey, when you when you go down the list and you see the greatness of Blacks, listen, it was a, it was a Black man named Pedro Nino that actually showed Columbus how to get navigated for Columbus to get here to America. His name was Pedro Nino. He had a brother, by, he had a brother, uh, I think his name was John Nino. And they were black men. Columbus thought the earth was flat. So yeah. if you're thinking, so if you think that the earth is flat, it had to have been somebody on that ship. And I'm gonna show you a picture of him. It had to be somebody on that ship actually to show Columbus how he got here to America. And it was a black man by the name of Pedro Nino. Here he is right here that showed Columbus how to get here to America. And mm. I'm going to tell you something. Okay, can you hear me? Now I can hear you. Okay, can you see me? I can see you, but you're sideways. <laughs> okay. Well, listen, that always happens. If you if you look at... If, uh, hey, listen, I can't make this up. When you look at... not When you look at most of my interviews, I'm always cut off always <laughs> always cut off wow. something always happens always cut off mm. so listen this guy right here Pedro Nino when Columbus came over here to America and when he had left um when he robbed the North American Indians and when he came over here and gave them smallpox and every disease under the sun he actually bought he Christopher Columbus actually bought actually boars over here which we know today is is, is pigs that's how pigs got over to America but halfway back to Spain Columbus told Pedro, he said, guide him in a direction that we can't get lost. And en route to Columbus, back to Spain, you know Columbus murdered this guy because he feared that Pedro Nino would go back to America and actually steal the gold that he buried. That's where you get the term buried treasure from. Because Columbus had so much gold from the Indians, he couldn't take it all on the ships because they was, it was weighing the ships down. So what did he do? He buried most of the gold that he stole. That's why till today, down on the Florida coast and down in Panama, down off of the Florida coast, when you go down there, that's the reason why so many gold coins are found. That's the reason why so many coins and gold and treasure is found off the coast of Florida, because that's the navigational route that this man, Pedro Nino, took from Florida, okay, when they robbed the hell out of Seminole Indians on their way back to Spain. And this is history they won't tell you. Wow. That's that's absolutely crazy, but um, uh, out of everything that you've done, and with your research with both books, was there anything that you would consider the hardest part? Um, yes. Uh, they wouldn't allow me to insert certain pictures. <laughs> <laughs> it was certain pictures. Amazon said, "No way, no way. You're not gonna um." No, not that one. No chance. You're gonna um you you're gonna um hey listen, I tried to I tried to put a book of um a picture of Gladys May West, the one that invented the GPS. I tried to put a picture in my book uh for two for about maybe three years. Amazon is like, no way, you're not gonna do that. No, no way, no way. It's the pictures and the proof mostly that I get uh the most flack on. Um, you know, the paintings, some of the old ancient paintings that's still down there in Rome, it's Christ and the disciples as being black people. Um, I have a lot of problems in getting those as well, too, because there are paintings that are still um, over in Rome and over in Jerusalem, okay, of Moses, Christ, as being Black people. But you notice that everything is scraped off. Mm. Everything is scraped off, just like when you go visit Egypt, the noses are blown off. Napoleon Bonaparte had a big part in that, in doing such a thing. Mm. So, yeah, Napoleon Bonaparte, he actually... 
commissioned his soldiers when he went over to Egypt. He commissioned the soldiers to blow the noses off of the Sphinx, the broad noses and the big cheekbones, because this is history that they love hiding from us. One way to get people under subjection up under you is supremacy. And another way, okay, is what they call white supremacy. Every time you open up a book, it's a white person. You close the book, it's the white person. Your kids are in school pledging allegiance to the American flag. How do you allow your kids, how do our people allow their kids to do that when this place has had our forefathers in slavery? And uh, Colin Kaepernick wasn't the only one that protested America being the way that it is in that song. You know, so it, 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 it's a lot to our history, even to this day, that we still have conjured up from our fathers and our mothers, okay, that has been passed on to us. That's the very reason why you have America Day was outraged at the fact that the Confederate statues was taken down and everybody was going around and they was, you know, taking the Confederate statues down. They was outraged. But when you look back on the history, Hey, Sir Walter Raleigh, the place that Ra Raleigh, North Carolina was named after. Sir Walter Raleigh killed more North American Indians than Columbus and enslaved them at the same time. So these people are held as heroes here in America. Oh, yeah. Now, I, I'm not certain why, but your phone has turned um, to the side or your device. I'm not certain. There we go. Okay, cool. So for a little while there, we were a little sideways. It happens all the time. <laughs> But now that was the hardest part. What was the easiest part for you, Frank? Uh, the easiest part was um, was actually just getting the information out. You know, once everything was done, getting the information out. And um, I must say this, okay, um, I'm very received and very receptive. Like as far as like, um, you know, uh, uh, independent bookstores, you know, that's all across the country. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there are lots of HBCU colleges that always invite me to their schools. And I'm very, more and more as time go on and more and more as our people see certain things that they just can't, you know, uh, uh, you know, that they just can't deny more and more, more and more. My phone rings off the hook more and more every day. And that's okay, you know, that's okay. Everyone has their time and everyone has their time and chance to actually experience and fall into their own truth. Everybody has their time. Absolutely. And everyone's journey is different. The, the hope is that you realize what your journey is and, and follow through with it because, you know, you might be faced with it and you're like, mm, I don't know if I'm ready for that. So that's, that's the goal to get everyone on, on their journey and making those steps as they need to and progressing. Right, right, right. And one of the things, and, and, and one of the things mostly what I really want people to understand and learn that, that, you know, people, you know, initially when they see me or initially, when they come in contact with me, they always say, this guy, you know, he's, you know, this, this guy always talking about black this and, and black that and black this. Oh, you damn right. Oh, <laughs> oh, 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 you, you damn right. You know, because my thing is this, just like America can teach about Benjamin Franklin and, 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 and uh, you know, Sir Isaac Newton, and they can lie about those guys. How are you, first of all, how are you going to, how are you going to discover electricity? That's a natural force that was already put here. Okay, by the heavenly father, the supreme being. So all of a sudden he gets struck by lightning and all of a sudden he invented lightning like Sir Isaac Newton. Um, gravity was put here before man. It's a force of nature that holds you down on earth. So these people put their names. Do you understand where I'm coming from? Absolutely. They put their names on everything for white supremacy, for white dominance. So of course, you know, I'm going to teach the greatness and the genius of us. And our people shouldn't be ashamed of it. It should it's give our people a great motivation, a great self-esteem. And we should be proud of what our forefathers have done. Okay. We should be very proud of what our forefathers have done. And stop letting America critique to us what we can do, what we can't do. They've done that. They've written a narrative for us for far too long, for far too long. And we've seen how well that has worked out for us. <laughs> Exactly. So would you say that that is the message you want your readers to get from reading any any of your books? Right. Absolutely. Right. A absolutely. And it, it, and it goes far. I've written seven books and it goes far beyond, you know, just, uh, you know, black paintings. It goes into moral. It goes into your diet. Um, mm -hmm. You know, one of my books is called um, one of my books is called Uncovering the Evil of America, what the FBN is. It goes far beyond, you know, just black paintings and, you know, I'm just, you know, rambling on about, you know, certain things. 
it, it I write about the diet that we have, about certain foods that are in, in grocery stores and certain ingredients that are put on products that's just sold to black people, that you have people like the FDA in the supermarkets that actually, um, you know, promote and they actually package up produce that's only sold in black neighborhoods. There are certain sodas, okay? I don't drink soda per se, but there are certain beverages, there are certain foods that are only sold in black neighborhoods that get them in ailments, okay, and, and create ailments on purpose so the hospitals can make money. It's big business in keeping us sick. Wow, wow. Now, if you had to do it all over again, is there anything that you would change about your latest um, two books that you're featuring today? No, I wish I could have actually wrote more, to be honest <laughs> with you. Yeah. Yeah. I actually would I actually wish I could have wrote more. And hey, listen, I do apologize for the disturbance and you know everything, but this normally happens. This is something that normally you know, happens. It's funny because um I I typically have issues maybe in the very beginning with my interviews. Um and you know, after that is smooth sailing. It's just awfully ironic that today with this black history edition that I'm having these types of issues happens all the time, all, all the time. Another thing I want to bring to your attention, um, watch out for this right here, okay? I know how kids like these Skittles. Um, um, couple things Couple things I'm gonna mention. Yeah, you probably got some in your house right now. Couple <laughs> things I'm gonna mention. <laughs> watch out for the red dye, watch out for the red dye, watch out for the blue dye, watch out for the yellow dye, because those things over a period of time they cause kidney failure and they cause uh, liver infection. So you have to watch out for that. And I know how black people love to eat bread, uh, a velvet cake and so like that. But over a period of time, you got to look out for that because after a while, it wreaks a lot of havoc on your liver and your kidneys. For sure. Now, out of the books that you have written, which one would you consider to be your favorite or do you have a favorite? Uh, yeah, actually I do. You're going to call me out on that one, huh? <laughs> that's, not, that's what I, you know, you should expect it with me. <laughs> right, right. Hey, that's, hey, that's fine. That's okay. You know what? Actually, I don't have, I don't have it with me, but one, one of my favorites is uh, this book called The Greatest Show on Earth. And what that book entails is it shows us how to love our, to love our melanated skin. Mm -hmm. Why is having melanated skin so important? Mm -hmm. um, it shows us how America, you know, how they created such things as the minstrel show, how they tried to look at us and perform and, and, and create characters with the big lips and, you know, the big eyes and the bug eyes and, you know, the big behinds, you know, uh, what's the significance behind that? Mm -hmm. And once again, it has everything to do with self, with, uh, with white supremacy. And that kind of information and the way America rolls like that, it breeds self-hate within us. Because when you see stuff like this, and when you see women on TV like the Kardashian sisters, and when you see, you know, uh, uh, women, you know, uh, 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 that's set on a pedestal that are Caucasian, now we look at ourselves and we say, well, man, you know, maybe that's the what I'm supposed to look like. And you know, you have black, uh, uh, your beautiful black uh, uh, daughters that grow up and be like, wow, well, maybe, you know, I am. Maybe I don't. Have to have a bottle shape, and maybe my lips are big. Maybe my nose isn't supposed to be like this. That all breeds self hatred, okay, within us, okay. But it's ironic that everything that they say is bad about us is good for them. Exactly, exactly. And it, you know, it, it's funny. I remember there was a time where I was like, oh my goodness, why did she, Why is her hair so big? You know, why doesn't she have it pressed or a, a perm? And it, for going on six, six, seven years now, I, I, I just, I don't, I don't feel like I have to have that. And even when, right. you know, I do, do get my hair pressed, it's under the assumption that I need to get my ends clipped and things like that. But why can't you do it in my natural form? Like, why is, why right. don't you know how to do that as itself? Like, you can't tell me that in, you know, in history, when we were trying to have healthier hair, that we had to have it completely straight in order to care for it. It just doesn't make sense, you know, but 
being able to know that it's a difference between choosing to have your hair look this way or that way and feeling that you're obligated to have your hair look this way or that way. And um, that's one of the things that I wanna ensure that both my daughters know that if you wanna have your curly kinky hair, that's okay. If you wanna have it straight, that's okay too. But don't be afraid to let your hair look like what it looks growing out of your head. That's right, that's right. You hit it, hey, listen, let me tell you something. You nailed it, you nailed it right, you, you nailed it. You know, and uh, what really, you know, what really concerns me is that how uh, white America, how they put that stigma on the black race, they do that to keep us really subservient to them, you know, as far as, you know, well, you're nothing, you know, your hair, but really be honest with you, woolly hair is the best hair. You, woolly hair, the, have woolly hair is the best hair. That's the reason why when we go against the grain and we try to become part of the American way, that's why it never works out for us. It never works. Skin bleaching never works out for us. You know, in, in the entertainment business, you know, you have some people that start looking one way and when they start making a lot of money, they look like hell. Okay, once they finish, because now they're up under the monetary system and the financial guidelines of America. So in order to, to order to get that financial backing and that amount of money, you better believe they're not going to give it to you for free. There are stipulants and things that you have to do, okay, to get that money. If it, hey, listen, you're known as an artist and an entertainer, you know, to get $50 million, you may have to bleach your skin. You may have to, you know, put a relaxer in your hair. You may have to trim up your nose. You may have to cut your beautiful big lips. The black woman may have to lose about 50 pounds. You may have to go up under the knife and you look terrible. You look terrible, okay? Because now you're no longer your natural beauty self. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Now, can you uh, tell me, uh, do you plan on releasing even more books in the future? Oh yeah, if I can help it, absolutely. <laughs> Most I willing, that's right. Hey, listen, I'm not gonna stop educating and I'm not gonna stop writing. You can forget that. Um, listen, I have to come to the, I have to come to Detroit um, in May. Okay. I have to come to Detroit in May uh, to do a lecture. Yes. So, like I said, I'm not gonna stop writing. You know, um, because these are some of the things that our people have to know, even from the ingredients. You know, from the ingredients that we consume in our diet. That's gonna save them. Anything to give our people self-motivation and self-esteem and to bring them back, okay, to the original origin that they once were, okay? And please try to get their mind out of this American society, okay, because this place has never worked for us. The proof is in the pudding. Very true, I definitely. Now, I, I think I already know the answer to this question, but what separates you from other authors in your genre? Uh, the realism, the realism. I don't, you, you know, to be honest with you, um, most most authors are repetitive, you know, um, and which is nothing uh, wrong about, you know, is writing because I think writing is one of the greatest forms of getting over what you need to do. Listen, uh, the Bible, people, the Bible was written thousands of years ago. People are still reading that. That's a book. People are still reading that to today. Writing is powerful. Put it in a book form is even more powerful, more powerful. So what separates me is that you can, look, you have many authors that, you know, talk about, you know, I was a hustler, mm -hmm. I got locked up, and when I got out, you know, I changed my life. That's great. Mm -hmm. You have a lot of women that write about, hey, listen, you know, uh, you know, I, I led a bad life, now I'm in church, look at me now. That's all fine. It depends on the message that you're trying to convey over, but pretty much if you're, if you're not really writing about something that could really stick and that can change your life um, in your everyday walk in life, and especially things that we see on a day-to-day -day basis of reality, like the Confederate and like what they did down in Washington, um, you know, hey, listen, if you can get people to look a different way and look at things like they never haven't seen before, oh, that's powerful right there. As far as their diet, they look at things, and that's what separates me. Definitely. And, and that's one of the reasons that I read, because there are several perspectives. And if you're so caught up in only looking at it from your own perspective, you can miss out on a wealth of knowledge. And absolutely, what's meant for you to 
for you to operate on a daily basis as the best version of yourself. And that's something that I aspire to do daily, to be the best version of Tracy possible. And if it includes reading your book, someone, up, someone else's book, and even with me and how I actually write my reviews, I don't write it based on it was good, bad, or indifferent. I write it on what spoke to my soul because that's the purpose of reading, to take right. something from it and apply it to yourself to make yourself better. Right. Absolutely. Stop doing like, oh, it was good, bad. Once we stop that, then we actually begin to progress and grow because you're looking at, okay, I may not have liked the message, but is there a message? And can I do something about it to make my life better and maybe some other people's lives better? There you go. There, there you go, Tracy. And, and, and let me tell you something, Tracy, you hit it dead on the nail. And and one of my biggest, one, one of my biggest things that really grinds my gears mm -hmm. is that um, the American educational system they know the best way to brainwash people is get them while they're young. Mm -hmm. So when, when, when I go to schools, the elementary schools, and, and what really grinds my gears is that some parents are okay, you know, with their kids learning about George Washington and, and, and you know, oh, the pilgrims, they came over here to America, shook hands with the Indians and everything was everything. I'm not okay with that because that's all lies. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not okay with someone lying to my kid and my kid coming back to me telling me something about what the teacher said and slavery didn't exist. And I'm not okay with that. That doesn't set well with me. So that's the reason why I write as much as I write, you know, to really educate, to re-educate our people in the mannerism that they supposed to get, that they supposed to actually get taught because there are very few black men and women out here, you know, a handful of us that's actually going against the total grain, okay, of America and showing proof, okay, of how the American society has brainwashed us. True, very true. So with that in mind, what's your experience with other writers in a writing community? Um, very receptive, very receptive, very receptive. I can be in a, I can go to an author's event and I can be in a room with, you know, with, with 30 other authors, but somehow, some way, everyone always seems to gravitate towards me, you know, for some reason. And I'm not saying that just to, you know, you know, out of, no, it's just, it's just a big difference because, you know, this is stuff that's, that doesn't get taught every day. You know, this is stuff that doesn't get taught every day. It's one thing to talk about it around the dinner table and, you know, you're saying, well, that could have been, and maybe it was. My grandmother told me about that story. I don't know how true it is, you know, but to actually have proof and to say that, you know, uh, Columbus came over and killed Indians, you know, Socrates was Black, Shakespeare was Black, to actually have proof of these things, that goes into a whole different conversation. Absolutely. In a conversation that must happen if things you know are to change you know there you go now do you have any advice for other writers um yes uh keep writing you know one of the biggest things that i, I found when i first started writing mm -hmm. um distractions turn the tv off turn your phone off when you get home you know um always dedicate at least uh two hours to writing uh two to three times a week um, you know, and just keep writing, never give up, just keep writing. Because once you, if, if you got one book in you, you got two, because when I was writing my first book, I already had my second one in my head already. When I was writing my second one, I already had my third one in my head already. So just keep writing um, and be inspired, you know, be inspired. Don't let, you know, one, one of the biggest things I know that a lot of black people uh, tend to do, they open their mouths too quick. And what I mean by that is that if you're going to write a book, don't tell your relatives before you wrote the before you write the book don't tell your friends before you write the book just write the book so now once you tell them you're going to have naysayers ah what are you doing that for you can't do that don't y'all what are you doing that for just write the book put it out there you know and just let because you're going to get criticism you're going to get criticism wherever you go but right. the main thing is just write the book get advice from other authors mm -hmm. um but the main thing is if you have a lot of negative people in your circle that's around you don't tell them anything until and, and you know that's all part of um recognizing your purpose you know if it's in your purpose to write this book you're going to get the obstacles you're going to get the deterrence to see if you're truly committed to fulfilling that role in your life and it doesn't 
mean that this person doesn't necessarily support you or want you to be successful or succeed. They just don't understand how you can be that committed to fulfilling something that they couldn't do. It has nothing to do with you per se. So those right. things will come up, but what you, how you handle your adversities that, you know, catapults you to your next level and not to let, okay, like myself, I'm diagnosed with conversion disorder. So some days I may not even be able to walk. Some days I might not even be able to speak, open my eyes. I can't care for my children, but it doesn't deter me to use my platform the way that I do. And so some days, some months I might be super active and other months I may not, but it never stops me from continuing to do it. That's right. That, that's right. You're absolutely correct. And, you know, like you said, you got to continue to do it. Once, once the inspiration and once the ambition is gone, you know, once your ambition is gone, it's pretty much a wrap. You know, once that's gone, it's pretty much a wrap. That's why you got to have positive people around you, pushing you all the time. Yeah. And um, like I said, try, try not to hang around so many naysayers. And yeah. sometimes, Tracy, to be honest with you, they grow up in a certain area or a certain neighborhood and you never know your creativity until you remove yourself out of that place from yeah. around the people that you've been around for 25, 30 years. And then everything will just start clicking, clicking, clicking. You may have to remove yourself from the environment that you're used to just to tap into your genius. Yes. And not to be afraid of it. The, you know, don't have that, the fear of the unknown. The unknown is what's, what makes us great. And, um, if you never experience it, you'll never know. Like, I don't want to uh, operate life not knowing. I just, come on, let's go. Let's, let's see what's going to happen. You know, good, bad, whatever, because whatever happens in your life, be it positive or negative, you grow from it. And if you, that's right. If you, if you approach life that way, you don't let your life situation determine the life you have. That's right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because you know, people, you know, people have a way of not wanting to see you outdo them. Um, you have some people that keep you down because they know that they can't do any better. So what they do, they rub off on you, you know, and they know that you're, you know, you're much better than that. And you have a lot of people that actually, you know, try to keep you from holding back, holding back your genius as well, too. Absolutely. You know, and it's unfortunate, but it's very true. Very, very. Absolutely. So we've discussed your book we've discussed uh your passions your motivations all of that good stuff and since i operate a book club of course i'm going to ask you this what is your favorite book of all time uh the biography a besides the hebrew bible the autobiography of malcolm x nice you know i recently had another guest um who stated that that was his uh favorite book of all time as well another black man absolutely Ooh. Yeah. Oh, that, oh so with that being said what spoke to your soul after reading that um everything pretty much everything um just like some people most people are amazed at the the history and the dates that i pull out of certain things and the in the shock in the unmentioned history that's pretty much what shocked me um when in reading that book and reading a lot of his uh speeches it's just things tracy that i just didn't know and everything just started to connect, you know, like, this is amazing. Like, I didn't know this, you know, the things that he was talking about as far as the black communities, you know, why are we on the bottom? Certain things that happened to us, you know, uh, uh, why the police is against us. Those things, Malcolm was a, a, Malcolm was a guy that was beyond his time. He was beyond his light years. You know, a lot of things that he spoke about 50 years ago are happening today. So, you know, it resonated with me in a way where I feel the same way is when I'm writing, you know, let me give the people something, let me give my people something that they don't know, that's unheard of, that'll make them drop their jaws and be like, wow, I didn't know that. Right, absolutely, wonderful. Now, uh, are you reading a book right now? Uh, no, I, I, I don't have the time right now. <laughs> right. <laughs> Hey, I understand. I definitely understand. I'm surprised I was actually able to get um, books read this month. Uh, I was in a business boot camp for my um, 
my business. So it, it took a lot out of me, but you know, I still was able to get some reading done because that's my stress reliever. So it's imperative for me to get some form of reading in for my personal self-care. Um, so even when I have a, a, a boatload of things to accomplish, I have to get some type of reading in. Now, um, right, right. <laughs> so I'm confident after, you know, my viewers and your viewers or whoever sees and listens to this interview, they'll have, they'll be wanting more. So what do you have to say to not only your current readers, but your future readers? Um, take my information and take my research and take my history and just build upon it on yourself. Um, because I can't put everything in one book. That's the reason why I wrote seven of them. Mm -hmm. um, you know, just learn from it. Uh, have some kind of self-awareness. Let, you know, when you read these books, when you read my books, at the end of all my books, I always put the great Black inventors like John Standard. He made the refrigerator. You have a guy by the name of Robert Fleming Jr. Um, who actually made uh, the guitar. You know, learn from it because these are our forefathers. These are our forefathers who actually invented these things. Like you got uh, George T. Sampson. Okay, this is another Black man who invented the washing machine. All right. Now we know what now we all know. Okay. If we have forefathers, if we have forefathers like that, we can also do the same as well, too. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, this has definitely been a very spirited and passionate conversation. I've absolutely enjoyed myself today, Frank, and I would like to thank you for joining us. And I wish you the best on your future endeavors. But how can we stay up to date with you? Hey, listen, you can uh, email me um, or you can go to my Facebook page, um, Frank Jordan, F-R-A-N-K-J-O-R-D-A-N. Or you can just email me, Z-A-A-Q-A-N-1212 at yahoo.com. And I'm not...